Welcome to Confessions of an SEO. This is Carolyn Holzman. A lot of SEO podcasts are trying to get you a leg up on the tactics of SEO. But here it's about how to relate to SEO as practical humans to help us get our heads out of the Google Webmaster guidelines and stop seeing Google as the Wizard of Oz. If you're an SEO, I get you. If you're a business owner, I also get you. Before I was an SEO, I was a local business owner for decades, and I am super excited about today. This episode is the first ever Confessions Conversation. It's not an interview per se, it's going to be more like a conversation between myself and a guest, and it's it's not intended to sell you on anything but to inform and maybe provide what I hope is some painless education. So let's give it a try. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 15. Today, I'm going to talk with Ted Kubitis about the recent announcement uh, that Google made about the demise of their URL parameter tool. If you're an SEO and don't know Ted Kubitis, you should. In addition to an extensive career being in enterprise e-commerce SEO, Ted is the creator of the core suite of SEO tools that I feel like for myself, you know, before core, we were we were flying pretty blind. In season one, there's an episode where I talk about the new KPIs he uncovered when he figured out how to account for the volatility in the search results. Not to mention those somewhat embarrassing moments when you pass over a ranking report to your business client, showing them on page one, and then they Google themselves and find that they're instead of page one, they're on page two, and then the business owner is all confused. Now, we may not know for years just how much Ted has contributed to the practice and science of SEO, but we're going to keep trying. (laughs) This episode, I'll be sharing an interesting conversation we had about uh, the announcement earlier this month that Google said they're going to turn off their URL parameter tool on April 26th. That's not not, uh, too many days from now. So if you haven't heard of this tool and you're not an e-commerce site, chances are you're going to be okay. But if you're like me and you're into forensic SEO, this might be something you might want to consider uh, adding into your your diagnostic process. Now, there'll be a link in the description for the article that we're going to be talking about. And, uh, you know, if you want more context. So here goes. Wish me luck. I don't know about you, but. Nobody likes losing the ability to do anything that they previously could do, even if, you know, even if they didn't use it that much. Now, Google has assured us that turning off this tool is not going to be bad. And the announcement, of course, begs the question, well, what is this going to look like for the tool to go dark? So I asked Ted, and here's what he thought. There's two ways I I see it going down. You know, it's like either Google has changed things on their end and they now handle this problem adequately and they just never told us about it. In which case there is no problem, which is, you know, what we're hoping for. And there is a little bit of indication that that might be what's happening. But the alternative is is that uh, Google's done nothing to solve the problem, or they think they've solved it well, and that might not be true. 
And in those cases, there is no make you feel better. Here's what you can do about it. I mean, you're basically getting into a massive web development project to change your site architecture, which for an online retailer is like the biggest project you can do. And so there's no, there's no sugar coating or quick fix. Now, this thing that Google reported was only 1% of the directives contained within the tool. They say are, quote, helpful to crawling. And as always, Ted has the dispassionate bare bones assessment. You got to take that with a grain of salt. Useful to who? <laughs> don't know how big the pie is because we can't see everything. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know if like the majority of that is in one sector like online retail. And, you know, one of the fun things is when you keep repeating back to Ted, but Google says, and we go on. So I I don't think that's Google saying only 1% of the sites listed there are going to have any issues at all. That's not what they came out and said. They said only 1% of those uh, entries are useful to us for what we're doing. Right. And so you, you got to kind of, you know, look at what they're saying and try to figure out what lens they're using to say it. And usually it's not the lens that's in your favor. Could be a huge number of sites, pages. Well, one, 1% of websites might be all online retailers. And then we got down to the nitty gritty. What problem was Google trying to solve? by providing this tool? Uh, Well, to understand that, you have to understand uh, how Google crawls websites. And there's a lot of uh, predefined behaviors in Google, and they've changed over the years, but they're they're hard-coded behaviors, decision trees, and, and just logic of crawling. At the most fundamental level, a, uh, a website crawler has a choice. It can go depth first into your website or it could go breadth first into your website. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means it could always, uh, when processing the links it find, it can always try to go deep before it goes wide or it could go to all the wide pages first. So if your homepage is level one, then everything your homepage links to is level two. On level two, it finds links to level three. Does it finish all the level twos first before going to a three? Or does it dive into a three as soon as it finds it? You know, and so behaviors like that are all encoded into the bot. One of the things the bot is going to do is it's going to find those links and it's going to follow them eventually, either breadth first, depth first, or some other decision tree. It's going to say, I'm going to see where it goes. And so it's going to go to your homepage. It's going to see a socks category. It's going to click into that and it's going to go, wow, there's a bunch of socks here oh, what's this on the side? It's the faceted navigation. Okay, 
Here's one that says Red Sox. Wow, it's all the Red Sox. Here's one that says Blue Sox. Wow, it's all the Blue Sox. Oh, here's one that says Blue Sox, but price descending. Wow, it's all the Blue Sox price descending. And it'll do combinations of all your faceted navigation for hours. If, if it's able to do that, it'll keep dwelling on all the different, you know, mix and match of sorts and filters. And, you know, it'll think it's discovering what your site has to offer. And then it'll say, oops, well, I'm all out of time and crawl budget. Let's meet again next week. And we'll see if you've updated your socks then. Goodbye. <laughs> right. It's and, like, oh, look at the time. I got to go. <laughs> and because Googlebot got caught in that crawling loop in that navigation, it ended up only indexing 5% of your website before quitting. And we call that an infinite crawl. And so websites uh, had this problem. You know, there's lots of different ways to create infinite crawls. And sometimes the only way the businesses could fix them without having to build all new websites was to use the URL parameter tool that would tell Googlebot, hey, uh, when you're on my site, ignore the filter by color parameter ignore the sort by price descending parameter when you see those in the url just take them out of the url and then decide if you've been to that url before or not and so by removing those parameters google can say oh i have seen this page already uh, i don't need to do it again and that way it'll skip those links and continue crawling other parts. So this is the part that Google's gonna take away. Okay, so now we're beginning to see why if Google is not accommodating these older sites, these legacy sites, it could be very problematic. And then we started talking about things that bring me to my happy place, the server logs. So signs that somebody might be impacted from this, obviously, if they looked at the server logs, they would, they would see that the bots only go a certain thing. But if they were adding more content, you know, if they're blowing their crawl budget, that would mean maybe they don't get anything new. Um, well, crawl, right? yeah, yeah. Like what, what you'll see is... Uh, you know, if this doesn't end well and you are reliant on that, what you're going to end up seeing is that Googlebot isn't going to update all the changes you make to your site. It's going to update some of them and miss most of them. Uh, it's going to have a hard time discovering new pages. Uh, may eventually get there with sitemaps, but it won't be as fast as when Google can discover them through a crawl. Yeah, it, it'll be a, a pretty big problem. And you'll see Googlebot spending a lot of time in one area just over and over again, getting kind of stuck in the same spot. Like if you were looking at the logs, you'd just see like like lines and lines and lines of... Yeah, yeah. And you'd see the parameters that they're 
infinitely crawling. You'd see them sorting by price descending. You'd see them adding to cart and filtering by blue and, and all of those things. So it's very easy to catch them in the web server logs. And now the plot thickens. What does it mean when Google doesn't ignore all these parameters? So do you think maybe they would also consider some of this duplicate content? Well, and that's uh, that's the risk. You know, that's another way that this blows up in your face is that if Google starts visiting all those URLs and typically gets the same page over and over again and doesn't know, they're going to, you know, they're going to think that there's a lot of duplicate content on this website or maybe, you know, I've seen this page 500 times already, so maybe that's all they have to offer, so I should stop. You know, there, there are limits to Googlebot's patience, and those limits are coded into, you know, its decision tree. And I'm sure that one of the things it has is a way of, you know, kind of saying enough's enough on things that look like infinite crawls or tons of duplicate content. So, so they could see like their analytics that go, oh, we're having a loss of traffic and oh, why, why aren't these pages showing up? I mean, yeah. this, it'll look like somebody isn't doing their job probably. Yeah, <laughs> how, yeah. How they'll interpret it, right? But, and you know. if, if you could graph uh, Googlebot's coverage of your whole website, what you would find is that you know, all the red where Googlebot is visited is in one localized area mm -hmm. and the rest isn't getting that, that visitation. Right. The crawl love. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I kind of wish there were tools for visualizing how and where uh, Googlebot crawls your website because that type of visualization would show you if Googlebot's getting stuck. Okay, here's what we know. It may or may not happen. And it is possible that Google might have a fix, but maybe not. And that if it does cause chaos, likely it's gonna be overrepresented in the e-commerce on the online retail. Okay, let's keep going. So if, if somebody wanted to know, cause it's very possible that um, there could be a site owner with one of these old uh, stores, e-commerce um, situations, and they don't know all of this. Maybe it was, you know, even the, the previous owner and had a conversation with the web designer that they were never a part of. So is there a, a place that they could go at least to know, like, even though it doesn't magically fix it, can they find out if they should even? Yeah, but businesses and agencies probably want to log into Google Search Console and look for the legacy tools section in the side navigation and there will be an entry for URL parameters and if you click that if there's anything at all set there you know that you have at least to investigate if it's still a problem today because it, if it was there, it means you had this problem in the past. And if the website is still built using those parameters today, you may still have a problem today. 
And so you have a very, very short window of time to maybe fix that. Uh, but who knows, you know, there, there are some people out there who have been looking at this problem going, you know, uh, if this was a big problem, I would imagine my new website today would have issues and I'm just not seeing that. So I suspect that Google has a way of handling this. So there is some indication from, you know, anecdotal accounts in the field that this may not be an Armageddon type of scenario, but honestly, we won't know until it happens. Right, which is kind of scary because the date is coming up, right? It's the 26th. Yep. April. Yeah. So. And there may be effects that we don't necessarily understand because we haven't analyzed it. You know, maybe if you have very good, strict uh, definitions for canonicalization, that this is much less of a problem. But those older websites might not be using canonicalization, so it might break badly for them in that case. We just don't know because we don't know how Google has made it different. So here's the bottom line. If it happens, and if your site is dependent on those directives that were in the URL parameter tool, and Google hasn't adjusted for anything. You're going to have to make a decision. And we talked about what, what those decisions might be. They either have to fish or cut bait. They're going to have to completely redesign yeah. their website and, yeah. and do it quickly, right? If yeah. they want to stay, uh, stay in selling. And, and I'd imagine they're you know, probably two primary options at that point. Uh, you're looking at a, uh, a large custom development project to fix the legacy store and to keep using the legacy store. Uh, or you're probably looking at a platform migration. And I would suspect that a lot of these older sites uh, might just jump ship and set up a, uh, a Shopify store. So and, might, might be good for Shopify. Yeah, yeah. So I'd, I'd imagine if there is a problem, there's probably going to be a balloon of people switching to Shopify. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for today. I would like to extend the deepest of gratitude for Ted Kubitis and his generosity of time and the sharing that he, he does and explaining all of these things. So we can all feel like at the end of the day, we're, we're better SEOs than when we woke up. So thank you again, Ted. I really appreciate you being the first Confessions of an SEO conversation. Thank you for being a listener and special thank you to the sponsors of Confessions. And if you would like to hear more about Ted, the thing says he, he has a weekly YouTube show. I forgot to mention that in the beginning. It's called SEO Fight Club. And you know what they say about Fight Club. I am going to mention it, and I'm going to tell you it's Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. If you are on a different time zone, you need to check that. All you do is you go to YouTube, to the channel, and it's a live event. 
Please subscribe to Confessions wherever you're listening. It's on Audible, Spotify, Amazon Alexa. And if you haven't settled on one source for your podcast, you can just Google Confessions of an SEO. You can't miss it. All of us stand to make more business and success together when both the SEOs and the business owners understand each other better. It's my pleasure to be your host. Thank you for your time, and I'll see you in the service.